if there's something in life that you want, whether it's something tangible or something that you've wanted maybe just like change about yourself or refocus on something, there's a way to do anything. You just have to come up with a plan and be consistent about it. I'm not a, by no means am I a good swimmer or a good biker or a good runner, but I'm good at showing up for what I need to show, whatever it is, you know, we'll use triathlon. I'm good at showing up for those workouts and sticking to the routine and just doing it. And all those little things adding up make you a better person, make you a better athlete. Whether it's in life of rolling over and hitting your snooze button 10 times because you don't want to go to work and you come up with an excuse. Like, that's... It's not moving that, you forward. It's not moving forward. It's not acceptable. It's, you know, you need to do what you what you say you're going to do and have expectations for yourself. And if you if you always try to find a way to, to sidestep or the a new way to be more efficient or, or time cheat or biohack, I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say, you know, hack the situation to, to make it easier. That's not always going to get you to where you need to go. You need to put in the work and uh, the hard work up front and stuff will come, will form around you. BJ here from Yogi Triathlete, taking it solo this week for Ask the YT's Podcast 81 with Jesse Davern. So we are Yogi Triathlete. We are a holistic performance coaching business, and we're out on a mission to create a better world. And how do we do that? We do that through uh, yoga, plant-based nutrition, triathlon, and meditation or mindfulness. So check us out online at yogitriathlete.com. We appreciate all your support and all those that leave comments and, and reached out to us. We truly appreciate it. And those that have contributed to our Patreon account, uh, we really appreciate that. And we continue to include little video clips, and we'll do one here that only our Patreon subscribers are allowed to see. So there's some good details there. We kind of go extended or pre-podcast because the podcast is so much more than what you hear. There's, there's conversations before and there's conversations after. And We want to share that with our community. So let's jump in with Jesse here. We're going to talk about Ironman Arizona. We met Jesse. Jess and I met Jesse up at Ironman Santa Rosa 70.3 in May. So Jesse is here with me. We are in, where are we? We're in Phoenix. Yeah, we're in Phoenix. Yeah. In this amazing house. I mean, there's a waterfall and pool in the back. Looks like it's a putting green out here. I don't know. It's like some really nice turf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turf. That's what it is. That's what they have here. I think that that was the reason that they wouldn't let Clark over. I oh, think. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Clark, sorry, listeners. Clark is not at this podcast, but he is in good hands. He's with his cousins at daycare. They have been romping it up. So follow us on social media. You'll see some great photos. The dogs are tearing it up. So Jesse, this was your first Ironman. First full Ironman. First full Ironman. Kind of still trying to soak it all in it's hard to think it was just yesterday um trying to process the the day still a little bit yeah a lot goes on right yeah it's a long day uh so much fun highs lows everything in between oh we're gonna get into all this i love it um so you've done so we were just talking you've done a sprint you've done an olympic so you've gone up the the ladder yep i've done one at every distance now sprint olympic half and now the full and how long have you been in the sport the sprint was two years ago. Okay. And then in between the sprint and the 
the Olympic was maybe another year. Okay. So I didn't really like get into it. It was just like, um, felt like I was in kind of good shape from running. So I might as well try to do a Olympic. And then really it went from doing the, the Santa Rosa half, um, this year to having no plan to do a full, um, but through talking with some of my, well, one key mentor, that's actually a mentor at work. Um, one of my bosses kind of that has, I came up underneath through the, the company that I work for. He's, he's done a full Ironman and he kind of just talked to me after and he said, you're, you'll never be in better shape than you are right now. So if you have any desire to do a, a full Arizona's perfect distance away for you to take two weeks off and, and start training and really it was him reaching out sending me that text that really got me motivated so that was too. the that was the pivotal moment because i was going to ask you like why you wanted to do the full iron man so this sounds like how it kind of kick-started your yeah i mean in my mind I, I knew i wanted to do one but at the time yeah. it, it seemed so far out of reach to to do that distance and just getting through the half uh in my mind seemed challenging enough and then you know i did that physically i got through it i think i was probably more sore after that than i i am today which i'm not totally why maybe just my diet or the way the race went mm -hmm. or anything but then after that i knew i wanted to do one but him kind of pushing me to the the next limit to say hey why why wait why do why wait you know two years for what you could do in the next six months and with Ironman Arizona, you need, you needed to sign up early, right? You were signed up almost a year in advance. Yeah, so I missed like the uh, the general registration fee, oh, so okay. I made my uh, donation, my contribution to the <laughs> Ironman Foundation to secure a late spot. Yeah, okay, but no problem. I mean, yeah, it's good money anyways. It right. goes to the foundation, so I was happy to so, happy to do it. So you are so now you're an Ironman, but you're plant based. Plant based. Right? And how long have you been plant-based? Two and a half years. Okay, so quite a while. Yeah. Okay. But it, you know, it, it transitioned, right? I mean, the first, I'll say six months, I was plant-based, but it was a lot of macaroni and cheese from a box with their, the vegan cheese. Vegan I mean, junk food. Junk my diet food. two and a half years ago doesn't really look like what it does today, but it's, it's been no meat or dairy for two and a half years. Okay. Yeah, and I think our listeners are gonna to wanna to hear like nutrition on, on what you did on race day, but let's talk about your race. So what was it like leading into the race? Like, give me a little quick recap of maybe a week leading in and then what, what was going through your mind and then take me through your race day. Yeah, so I mean, the week before it was, so I actually had some unexpected travel for work the two weeks prior to, to the race and I was a little stressed out about that with just traveling in airports and chance of getting sick um so i really i really like doubled down on the rest <laughs> and the sleep and there was a couple times you know i got back from a from a trip and i probably you know my schedule said hey i need to go out and do a short run or a swim or something like that but i ended up bagging a few of those and just trying to sleep more than what i normally would because i just didn't want to run the risk of getting sick um, so between that and meditation, um, Oh, what does your meditation practice look like? Yeah. So I use the headspace okay. app. It's simple for me, um, readily accessible. So, you know, there's all different kinds of packs on there. There's the one I did before the race. It was like a 10 day, uh, not motivation. It was a 10 day 
event pack or whatever, you know, before you're getting ready to go into some kind of physical activity. And it just kind of went, you know, 10 days of just little things to focus on during the day to help clear your mind and not let the the demons inside push you too far to one direction. Because they can, they can pull your awareness away from the moment and get you caught up in doubt and fear and unworthiness. Like you're not yeah, going to be able to do this, right? They, uh, I had to bring out the stick and beat them back <laughs> a handful of times yesterday. So it's a, you know, but I think without having some of those, those tools that you could kind of revert back to through the meditation. So meditation was key during your day. Yeah. I yesterday. mean, the way I look at it is it's, you know, I, I was out there for 12 and a half hours and like almost trying to be in a constant meditative state, right? It's like you're out there, there's, you're not talking to anyone. It's you and yourself and you can either sit there and have a loop playing in your head of thoughts or you can try to sideline all that for the time being and just, I got to get through this pedal repetition on the bike. I got to get to that tree on the run the next aid station. I mean, it's... So what just, were some... Yeah, yeah. Let's share share some of the specific moments of like what what was arising. Maybe the swim because the swim is... I mean, it was, it's challenging. You're swimming with all these other people. It was a little bit, I felt it was a little more choppier than mm-hmm. uh, Santa Rosa was, but, but what was your experience in there? Yeah. So the, the swim, so I remember in the athlete briefing, the, the guy giving the talk that he was speaking about the spacing of the buoys. And for some reason in my mind, I thought that the buoys were going to be spaced every hundred yards. I thought that's what he said in his, in his talk. So I'm swimming and I was trying to, you know, keep a pretty tight line to the buoys. So I wasn't zigzagging all over the place. And as I would swim, swim by the buoy, I could see the number on it. And I got to, and I got to buoy seven. I think I first noticed the numbers at like buoy four. And I was like, all right, just keep your head down. Just keep going. And I got to buoy seven and I, you know, go to take a breath and I look over and I see it on there. And I felt like I'd been in the water a long time. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm only at 700 yards right now. I feel like I've been in here like <laughs> way too long for this to only be 700. So now your mind is. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be, a, this is going to be tough. Yeah. You know, and then my heart rate started to get up a little bit. You go into a little bit of a panic and then, you know, I just told myself, I was like, doesn't matter what buoy is you got to you're going to have to go the distance no matter what it is so what was the flip right there what what happened what happened in the moment where you were counting on number eight and number nine where your mind was just like we need to forget this yeah i mean what i told myself is i was like well first you're not going to be able to keep going with the swim if i let my heart rate and the fear kind of take over you know then you're gasping for air and you're just not being very efficient so i really just I mean, in my mind, I was just like, it doesn't matter what buoy it is. I'm going to have to swim past all the buoys at some point, so just keep going. And then sure enough, though, I think the buoy, the buoy spacing was much different than what I had in my mind. So I got to like buoy 10 and I was halfway done. And then I was like, oh, that was easy. That was, I'm already halfway done with this thing. I get to turn around now. So it just went from that like brief panic to, all right, now this is awesome. I feel great right now. The water temp's awesome. But then still not trying, or still trying to not let that high get too high. And yes, because then yes. it's like, well, I still have 2,100 yards to right. swim back. And 
you're still getting you can't celebrate yet yeah and you still yeah. you're still getting the occasional you know elbow into the stomach or your goggles my goggles got you know tweaked once where i had to kind of you know reach up with one yeah. hand to fix it and it's just you have that many that's people part swimming. of yeah that's part of the combat in in the water and when they started with when they used to start with mass swim starts of 3,000 people, it was chaos from the start. Now at least it's it's a little more spread it's out. But it still it still can happen because you come up on somebody and their arm is coming back. Yep. And if you breathe to both sides, as soon as you breathe to the other side, there could be somebody right there with their back swing and then you're, yep. you're taken out. And no matter how much they try to <clears throat> emphasize to swim with, you know, no, in the, the rolling start to start with whatever time you're self-seed people don't self-seed yeah so very there's well certain yeah. times there's people swimming over you and occasionally you bump into a, a turtle in front of you <laughs> that you're just like how how did you start ahead of me but you just got to take i mean i going through training swimming was always the most difficult thing for me to get motivated to go do why is that it just seems like such a process at sometimes of the, the pool that I swim at, the Berkeley Rec Center, it's about 25 minutes away from home. So it's, you know, you work, you work all day. You know, I, I, wor I work from home. I live in California, but I work on mountain standard time, so I'm one hour difference. So basically, you know, I work from six in the morning till about 3.34 in the afternoon. So it was, you know, finish work, hop right on the trainer, get my spin, you know, my bike ride in the pool then wouldn't open till 6 30 at night so it was like you kind of have that doesn't weird open till 6 30 at night yeah and I, I just can't go during the day with my work yeah. schedule yeah okay but it, it's not open from like all afternoon because uh, they have like the water polo teams and all that stuff so yeah it wouldn't open till 6 30 so it's like you could drive to the pool you know take me 25 minutes to get there and then change and then swim and then shower and drive home so you know it turns into a two hour at least two hours two and a half hour more. yeah yeah and then you know you get home at seven forty-five and eating dinner it just it was it was just more of a process right where i could just you can just run from your house and then biking i did all my week weekday rides on the trainer which i have like a new love for riding on the trainer that's efficient and oh, very, so efficient yeah and it's there's no coasting you can get on there and just mm -hmm. bang out your ride you know I, I would go out and do my long rides outside but yeah the swimming was the swimming was a challenge for me and uh, especially knowing <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things to improve your swim to take time off your swim yeah doesn't take like a couple sessions of two hours right a, a week it's like you got to focus time but you can get bigger gains in your bike and and riding right so that i can see the challenges of yeah, yeah, it's like, packing man. up and 50 minute round trip plus an hour swim yep and um just that mental capacity of having to get out of the house and, yep. and do that but but oddly enough though on both the santa rosa half and the full yesterday the swim was my favorite part of the day it's like you're standing there in line with everyone everyone's anxious some people are talking with their friends. Some people are already coming up with excuses. You hear it all standing there, right? Oh man, this is when the sun comes up, you're not gonna be able to see anything, which you couldn't, but it's like, you're not gonna change the way the sun comes right. up. But for me, it was just standing there and went through the breathing exercises yes. that you worked yeah, on. I was gonna ask you that. with me on okay. um, Friday before the race and you got in the water and the water temp was perfect, I thought. It was 
it was warmer inside. It was warmer once you got on the water than standing on the the walkway before you entered the water, I thought. So the swim overall was, was a lot of fun. Jesse's talking about I held free yoga down at the park and I've been doing this at Ironman uh, races. And Jess and I did the one in Santa Rosa. But we, we go through this breathing practice and we'll post, we'll make a link to it in the show notes. But it's, uh, it's a practice of four types of breaths that can help you calm your nerves and prepare you for the swim portion, which is where people have the most anxiety. And it's especially key for a race like Arizona where they don't have a swim warm up. You know, I think, yeah, Santa Rosa did, Wisconsin did, but Arizona didn't have a, a swim warm-up, so we could just go right into line. And I think that's a key component to people's fears, address their fears, is to, is to um, do this breathing exercise. Like, yeah. understand that you can do things that you don't necessarily have to be in the water. I mean, it gets, it gets your mind focused, but I could also feel like it warm my body up almost. Yeah. You know, you're, you're getting your heart doing rate. breathing, you get yep. your heart rate up a little bit, so you're not just hitting that water of, you know, what was it, 68 degrees or 67 yeah. degrees? It was perfect. But It was know, Tempe Town Lake, but it was perfect. Yeah. Right. It's a lake in the middle of a, a city. <laughs> but I feel like if I wasn't at least warmed up a little bit, like through the breathing, it could have had more of like a an impact when you hit that cold water to take your breath away, which I felt a little bit during the practice swim but I didn't feel that at all on Sunday morning. All right, let's move on to the bike. The bike, the bike was fun. So it's interesting doing out and backs, right? Cause you know, you know what you're going to be up against on every loop, which is helpful. Like if it's an easy, if it's an easy route in Arizona, right? It's known to be a faster course. So the bike's not a, a challenging course as far as elevation gain. Um, it's, you know, a steady kind of climb out of town and you turn around and it's really fast coming back. The wind was a little bit surprising to me. I had quite a bit of practice riding in yeah, the wind. Yeah, you mentioned that to me, I um, think, at yoga. You were like, yeah, I've been riding outside. Yeah, I mean, I was riding the, the wind. along the, um, the Pacific Highway, kind of from like Half Moon Bay down to Santa Monica. I went down there my last couple rides and it was... It was very windy along that route. So, it, you know, I had never ridden an aero bike before. I think I got my aero bike about a month and a half or two months into training. So I was really, I was somewhat nervous about riding in the aero position in, in windy conditions. So it was really helpful for me to kind of get some of those windy conditions prior to the race. But I mean, you can be prepared for wind but it doesn't make your legs your legs feel any right. better so the so the way out you know the first um 17 miles or 18 miles whatever it is to the first turnaround spot you know kind of a a gradual climb but the headwind definitely made it um challenging and the second loop was by far the windiest portion and that was another time where i kind of let the demons get in a little bit you know i was like man all right i I've done this out route once. This is the second time. That's much harder the second time because the wind's really picked up out here. And then I was just thinking, oh, the third lap is going to be. So automatically going into the future, yeah. of like the third lap is even going to be worse. The so that's the mind. Be. That's that mindset. That's where that's where athletes go and they start to to spend. They, it can spiral down to right. that dark hole where it, it's just 
after that but when all they can do is come right back into the pedal stroke which i think yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna mention right yeah and i i wasn't as quick to adapt on that second route in my mind i was like well i just got to get to the top here and then i got to double down on the way down and get this tailwind Pu- <laughs> pushing me down make up time make up time <laughs> right and it's like <laughs> if i get you know one mile per hour faster for five miles it's not gonna make a difference right. that big a difference at the end of the day but coming back down into town my, my favorite part of the the bike though was the coming back into town because i mean you're out there by yourself on the yeah the it's highway. De- it's desolate out there yeah, there's, there's nothing there's cactus out there there's, yeah there's nothing out there and which is fine it's you just kind of have to just really get into your headspace and just zone out but coming back into town was a lot of fun because you start seeing you know the the streets start to be lined with people and you know then they kind of have some of the barriers like the shoots set up that you're kind of going past and you know my support team that was (laughs) here with me every time I came down through the turns the u-turn you know I could hear my dad yelling at me every time you and know, that's a boost, right? Well, when you when yeah. you come into town, it's almost an adrenaline rush. No, like, it was like yeah. The first time I remember, I was like, was like all right, next time I got, I can't let that adrenaline. <laughs> I can't use up all my matches doing this right. turn because you do the turn and then you're, you're like, like you're <laughs> so fast and it's like this is awesome, this is great, and then yeah. it starts to wean off. Yeah, again. I hear my dad yelling, JD, get after it, <laughs> go, go, and it's, but it was super motivating, and you know it made me look forward to coming back in for that third loop of. All right, one more loop. We've done this twice. I get to see see everyone, you know, Monica spread out in a couple different spots. So it's like, I know I got to see her. Then I go around in the turn. My dad would be down there. And, you know, Monica's folks were there. And um, my stepmom, Mary. And, you know, I could see them all at different points of the day. And that was a huge help. It's just such an uplifting. Yeah. I mean, the psyche gets so... Not only that, but when people, especially on the run, when they, they see your name on the, your bib and you're right. like, oh, you don't really know them, but they know your name and it, you make that connection. And it's, it's great. Cause yep. it's like, they're making that human, that human connection. Yeah. Yeah. So the bike overall, it was great. I, my heart broke for a few people. When you see the, I saw a pretty good crash, like on the very first There were some crashes. Miles. Yeah. I saw some ambulances out there. Yeah. I saw, I saw one lady in front of me. Um, I don't know if it was a guy or a gal in front of her, but he dropped a water bottle and she ran over it and just wadded herself up on the bike and she kind of turned and then, you know, everyone behind them was going 20 miles per hour and a couple other people hit her and oh. it was like, it looked like a couple of them got back up on their bike, but that's to overcome that too. Kudos to those people. You need to be awake and ready <laughs> yeah. at all times because... Even I found myself on that bike. I found myself getting into the arrows, especially on the way back, and just head down. Yep. And I'd look up and then head down, and then I'd forget to look back up, and I'm like, whoa. Yep. This is clear road, but you, you, you can't take anything for granted. A water bottle, yep. anything can come out. I ran, I ran over one goo packet that someone dropped, and it was the same thing. I was, you know, neck was getting a little tired, and I just wanted to tuck and just, just hammer on the pedals, and... I ran over that goo pack and I mean it didn't do anything but I was it was a good like wake up call yes. like you know that could have been a a stick that blew into the road or something and I think that with a meditation practice keeps you alert keeps you in tune I recently went on a group ride 
well, the Saturday before, last Saturday, mm-hmm. and 20 minutes into the ride, in front of me, boom, 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 they hit a two by four, went over. Yeah. Girl, uh, separated her collarbone. The guy did some stuff, and another guy hurt his wrist. It's like, but I was in the back, and I just barely stopped. But I think being having that mindset of just being awake and just just being present mm-hmm. allows you those split seconds of having a realization that yeah something just is not right here right. Like you have that sense so you are in tune to say like okay this is a sign i need to i need to pick my head up yeah. a little more often and ha- have you raced this race before i have and yeah. how was the weather and wind and temperature for the bike compared to what you're expecting from your, your same, past same thing same pretty, pretty much the same, same. The conditions were great. No, it was. Except the wind was, was but it's the wind. Like, it's, yeah, you're not going to change Everybody's it. doing it. Yeah. And so my, my strategy on it was, yeah, everybody has to fight it, but it, people are going to go harder for those less experienced people. They're going to go harder on, mm-hmm. the, on the wind in their face because they think they need to make up time. And right. that's not what you do. You need to not soft pedal, but you need to get your cadence up. Spin up the hill. Spin up the hill and then come back. Yeah. And that proved to, to help me out on my run. Like I had a, I had a solid run. Mm-hmm. And I think I was clicking through people because they... Picking them off. And you, can, you can remember their jersey and be like, you, you <laughs> passed saw, me on the hill yeah. and you were in your big ear trying to climb up. And it's, yeah, because yeah, I start. saw people wobbling back and forth, like really grinding. And, and so race strategy and being able to be in the moment during the race, you can have a strategy. Mm-hmm. You can have, this is what I'm going to do. This, I'm reading off paper. This is exactly what I'm going to do. But you don't know what's going to happen until you're actually on the third lap of the bike coming back with a wind at your back like yep. you can't really predict that so it just keeps you honest to, to be in that moment yeah and I, I i did stop briefly at the on the second lap on the way back into town with a special needs bag i did pick up oh some, yeah so you picked up special needs okay yeah i uh i had so much stu- not so much stuff in there but i had like i don't know if you've ever seen those complete cookies they're like yes i have yes i had I like one of those about. in there i had peanut butter and jelly i didn't know what i was gonna want if, if anything but i stopped there and picked up a salt tab um and i took some i took two tylenol or i don't know if it was tylenol but whatever something. yeah just because i could feel like my back starting to tighten up a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe it helped it helped me mentally i think a little bit the placebo effect yeah it's huge but it was so efficient i couldn't believe it because at first i didn't you know i did the first lap and i saw the special needs bags Oh, and those numbers on the... The numbers, because I drove the course the day before, and I was like, I had no idea what those numbers were for. You know, it's marked out on the highway, you know, one, one through 500, 500 through 1,000, and that's, you know, you stop at whatever tick mark you need to based off your, your bib number. But I didn't know about the special needs bag. I think I reached out to you maybe a month, two months ago, and you gave me some pointers of stuff to, to put in there, so... I stopped there, but it was so efficient. I think it, it probably cost me a minute, if that. I mean, you holler out your number on the someone on the megaphone yells it down the line, and <laughs> by the time I got there, there's a great volunteer standing so, there with my bag. And that's one thing with Iron Man. Like, I know a lot of people give them crap for a lot of things, mm-hmm. but but it's a business, and they run it. Oh, I was blown well, away like, by the volunteers. The support yeah. at at the at these races i i never i never think about not having any like not having the proper nutrition or hydration or medical or 
anything at these races. I just go to the race and I race. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about anything else because I just know that they have it dialed in and they're yep. going to take care of it. Yeah. So we're on the bike for you. Were you taking bananas at the aid stations or? So I would take bananas at aid stations yeah. and I had my own hydration and we, we'll, we'll talk about uh, nutrition. Okay. Um, I had my own hydration, but I tried the new Gatorade at the end because I had finished my stuff and people had said the formula had changed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't sitting well with me. I knew from the first few sips that it wasn't. And, and luckily I was, you know, on the, on the return trip back is when I first started taking it. So yeah. I knew I didn't have to stick it out that long. I don't know if you tried the Gatorade. I did. I actually, did you, well, talking about the, the poor lady who dropped a water bottle, I had a water bottle malfunction. So I lost my, like my... Oh, your personal stuff. Yeah, I lost like my bike nutrition. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I relied on the Gatorade, which... Did you do you fine? Well, it felt fine until about <laughs> <laughs> one minute till I crossed the finish line. <laughs> yeah, it's some powerful stuff. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I didn't even really know what was in it, you know, calorie-wise, sugar-wise. I just... It's supposed to be the perfect balance, yeah. right? But it also has, it doesn't take into effect what's already in your stomach right. or what you're combining it with. Right. There's, there's so many factors. So we'll, we'll get back to nutrition. We'll, maybe we'll run through that. So what about the run? The toughest part of the day for me was about mile two through mile five. Why is that? <clears throat> so That's early. That's really early. Yeah. So coming off the bike, like my legs felt pretty good and my stomach felt good on the on the bike when i started running i was just like man i'm like kind of hungry i ate late in the bike so i was like yeah i shouldn't feel hungry yet and i got to that first aid station or at, at mile two and i knew you know i knew what they were gonna have there you know pretzels fruit goos whatever but like i tried to in, in training i drank or i ate a lot of pretzels um, no problem. I like pretzels and I put them in my mouth and my mouth was just like super dry and trying to chew the pretzels. I just like, couldn't get it down. So I was like, all right, I just, this ain't going to work. I'll wait till the next aid station. And I had a, I had a really hard time getting nutrition in those first. The more I think about it, I think it was maybe f too much Gatorade on the bike. It's kind of what I'm like, yeah, now I'm going back and trying to process it all. And for some reason, just the smell of like the food there, it just like nothing sounded good, but I knew I was like, I, you need, stuff. I need you something, need, you need calories. So basically at, at mile five, I took, I finally took a goo and you know, I opened it and smelt and I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? And I, I put it in, you know, slammed it with a little bit of water just to like wash it down the throat. And it definitely gave me a pick, you know, Pick up, pick yeah. Because I think you talked to me before. You know, if you start kind of feeling like you're not yourself, you're low on. Yeah, something. yeah. If your mind starts wandering and you're you're in a day, you're starting to daze and you're starting not to be aware, or your legs are starting to cramp, like just things that are off. You're probably low in calories, yeah. and it, you're not thinking that way because you're just like, oh, I just need to battle through this. Like maybe it's the sun or the heat, but you need calories. Right. The calories are going to help you, your brain function. Like that's how, that's what it needs. Right. Which was hard because it was, I knew I needed that, but at the same time, my stomach felt somewhat full. So it was like, how can I be hungry if my stuff, if I'm not, if I don't feel hungry, but as you're just low on sugar, you're not thinking straight. Right. You're right? not, you're not at all. You're trying to kind of rationalize. And the, and the other thing is on, 
So on the bike, I wore my Garmin watch um, just so I could kind of keep track of the time and pace. And I've never trained with like a power meter. I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. Um, I just have the this simple Velo Active Garmin watch. It doesn't tell you that much. Just your speed. Pretty and, basic stuff. Yeah, basic stuff. I love it. Yeah. And so that was great to have on the on the bike, just because I could, you know, each lap I could be like, okay, it's about what I did on the first lap, second lap, and just so I wasn't going too too hard. So, were you going off a heart rate, or were you just going off a perceived effort? Yeah, perceived effort. I don't know. Okay. I trained with a heart rate monitor for a little while just because I had no idea what my heart rate range was. What zone you should be in. Like yeah. you're looking at your heart rate, you're like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> right. But I didn't, I didn't wear like my heart rate monitor okay. yesterday. Um, oh, that's interesting. That's good. That's good for listeners to hear. At the end of the day, I didn't think it would really help me much. It was, if my heart rate was high, it's not like I'm going to not finish the race. because. Yeah. Of that. And heart rate can be high for various reasons, you know, right. nutrition, stress, de- you know, dehydration, right. lack of sleep. Like there's so many factors that can happen. Yeah. But if you're putting out an effort that you perceive is the same effort, then, then that's the one to go with. Right. But then when I switched to the run, you know, I, I switched watches. Actually, I, I borrowed my wife's watch cause the battery on my watch was dead. So I, put on her, it's the same watch, turn it to the run and I start running and I'm looking down at it. And in my mind, I thought I was gonna come right off the bike, like what I did in most all my training runs and be able to hold just like a, a nine minute mile. And, and that was kind of my plan is to do that and be like, okay, I'm not gonna go any faster than this. I'm just gonna hold a nine minute mile and just get through at least mile six and then reevaluate. And I look down and it's like, 10, 15 minute mile, 10, 30 minute mile. And I was like, how am I moving this slow? Like, I don't, I feel like I'm running faster. And then I started doing the math in my head. Well, oh my God, <laughs> running math or any, yeah, any kind of math, any kind of math when you're in a, in a race. <laughs> so finally, once I took in that goo at, at mile five and kind of tried to get back on track, I just, I turned the watch off and good. I just thought to myself, good. I was like, if I if I run a twelve minute mile or a seven minute mile, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish twenty six miles at some point today. I just have right. to I have to keep my feet moving, but it, I was letting the watch like beat me up. And think about how much energy you're spending. Right. And I'll share with the audience on on my run, I had a Garmin, which I haven't. You know, I think we talked about this. Like I don't run with watches mm-hmm. in a race, but I decided to bring my Garmin because I wanted to just check in yeah. and I haven't done it in a while and right away from the start I it wasn't picking up the satellites and so I'm monkeying around with it while I'm running and then yep. it finally came on and then the pace was way like off. 350 minute miles and I'm like that's definitely not it so then I had to restart it and so in the first mile I'm spending time playing with the watch so yep. I finally got it to work and then I just didn't look at it anymore right. because it was it would just suck the energy out of me and I need we need all that energy to focus on getting ourselves through that marathon yep. and anything else is just a distraction. Yeah. And then you just, you know, if, if you have it set up to, to go off, you to know, beep. maybe even alert every yeah. mile, whatever, fine. But I, I found myself looking at it like every 10th of a mile, like how come my pace hasn't changed from 10, 15 <laughs> to 10 05? I ran a little bit harder, like from that sign to that, like it was just, it was eating me up. Uh, but you can realize that. So you were, you were able to, once escape I, it once i once i got that goo and settled down yeah. a little bit and then i kind of had just had to refocus a little bit i i was still having a little bit trouble with the nutrition and 
I wasn't feeling great on the run. Uh, so I just kind of had to reevaluate and just, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish this thing. And I just got to keep, keep my feet moving is what I told myself. So when I felt good at some points, I ran harder. And at some points I walked through the aid stations to to take in whatever to you take needed in what to. I needed to uh, splash some cold water on my face, but just kept the feet moving the whole time. So I think looking back at it now, I know I have a lot of improvement I could have done, trained a little bit different probably, focused on nutrition a little bit different for the run. Yeah, the, the, the run is real. The run is a really tricky, a tricky place because as I've shared my last three Ironmans, like I've done slightly different things on each of those mm-hmm. races. And even this Ironman, I did goose, like goose every three to four miles, which oh, wow. I don't normally do, like a full packet. A full goo. Yeah. Okay. And I wasn't taking in Coke every mile. I was taking in Coke starting at mile three, like every two to three miles, so opposite the, mm-hmm. the gels. And then always, and I can't, I can't remember if I told you this, but always pour water on your head and shoot the ice down your back. Yep. Like at every aid station. Just keep your body cold. Keep your body cold. And even though it was warm, but it wasn't like... It wasn't scorching hot. It wasn't scorching hot, right. but but near the end, it was getting cold. I, know, mm-hmm. I remember when I finished, I was so chilled. I was chilled to the bone. Like, it was almost immediate. I needed that space blanket and... Yeah, that sun dropped. Warm. It went about 15 to yes. 20 degrees yeah. cooler, like, immediately. All right, so you had you had some nutritional struggles on the run, but you kept you kept pushing forward. You stopped at the aid stations. Now you're approaching, you're going on that second loop. You're coming back. You got three miles to go. You're at mile 23. Like what, what's happening? Like, yeah. I, so I just, mile 23, I mean, I was tired. I knew I was so close to finish. I so was your mind tired? Were your legs feeling fatigued? Like what, So I, what was the My, my legs felt fatigue? fine through the run. Okay. It was more, I guess when I say tired, it was more upset stomach. Okay. Like I was just, I was fighting on every step to not, <laughs> so not, you lo- never, not lose my nutrition. For you the never day. had a really good spot in that marathon. No, yeah. I, I came back, you know, the goose helped and at least made me like focus. Like I didn't feel like I was in a sugar deficit or a calorie deficit, but I think it was just a mixture of too much of too much, too many different things maybe in my stomach, but I never, I never felt great on the run. It was just, get to the next get to the next but sometimes that's what you need to do like you have this plan and sometimes that plan gets scrapped and you just need to do the work like you need to be in the moment to say what i have to do right now is i need to get myself to that next mile marker right that's all i need to do and everything else doesn't matter yeah i remember at one point telling myself you know talking to myself like my stomach doesn't get to decide if i'm an iron man today or not yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna. You don't get to decide, stomach. If you throw up, you throw up. If you, you just, you just had to. I just knew I had to keep my feet moving, and I would get to that finish line. So once, once mile, you know, at mile 23. Because that's before the. That, why I say that is because that's before the bridge that we had to come back over and, and then come back in. And it, that last stretch was, you know, I finished at 7:30 p.m. and with daylight savings, it was dark. It was dark, yeah. And that that last stretch, there wasn't any lights really. I mean, it was. There's no one. There's no one really. You're running down a pretty desolate street for those last three miles before you kind of get into the mm-hmm. Ironman shoot. 
But I just kept thinking then like on how easy those days were in training when you have a re- like a recovery day and it's like, oh, you want, you have to run three miles a day. And in your mind, you know, during training, you're like, is it even worth my effort to like get outside and go run three miles? Like three miles is nothing. So I started to try to kind of just like play that through my head. Like you've done so many three mile little runs. Three miles is a taper week. A three miles is mm-hmm. a recovery day when you sh- should maybe be resting, but you feel like you want to move your feet, go out and run three miles. So the last three miles was, it, I started to just kind of psych myself up a little bit more and I didn't really have much of a, much trouble finishing those last three miles. And then by the time you come into the, the shoot with everyone hooting, hollering, and you know, people don't know you, but they're screaming at they're you. Screaming and I saw name. my wife, like, you know, right there as, as soon as I rounded the corner and yeah, it was, it's a pretty, it's an epic feeling. And so you cross the finish line, Mike Riley calls your name. Yep. Mike Riley calls your name and you just. Did you collapse? Did you, you still had your feet under you? Had my feet under me, one of those great volunteers again, they, she grabbed my arm right away and like walks with you for a second. They were doing it with all the athletes. I don't know if. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did it with me. Yeah. yeah. Grab your arm, hand you a bottle of water right away. You know, they cut off your ankle bracelet or take off your ankle tracker. And then, you know, you get your shirt and all that stuff. And then the volunteer just like hung out with me for maybe like, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute while I sat there and just to make sure you're okay, drank some water and yeah. kind of reevaluate. I wasn't going to fall over or anything. I felt fine at that time. And then going, you know, I, I did the obligate, the, the picture you have to do oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, we were looking at, it was funny. We were looking at the pictures this morning, the finish line pictures. And, uh, I've got a big smile on my face at the, you know, with the metal around your neck. And I was telling Mary here, I was like, I don't know where that smile came from. Cause that's not the Jesse I remember last night at that point. But, these, but the human spirit, like yeah. it's so strong. Like you can, you can flip it around and we see it with the people that we went to the midnight, I went to the midnight finish and you see people at the 17th hour and they're, you know that they're walking, but they come around to that finish. They're running. They probably haven't run in a while, but they're running and they're yeah. smiles because there's just something about getting over that line. Yep. And finally the emotions and all that energy that you've been using just is it's like release because you've been so focused on getting yourself across the line. Right. It's a release. Yep. And then what, walking through we can talk about this more with the nutrition part but then walking through the the food area all i wanted was like a piece of watermelon and i I go to the fruit i go to the fruit stand and like is there any watermelon and they were like no this is all the fruit we have and it's the exact same fruit at the other 13 age stations that you've been like i don't want i didn't want to see any of that fruit and then they're like do you want pizza i'm like no no as like chicken broth no, if you had vegetable broth, which is, possibly we talk. Yeah, it's it's so crazy it's, that they don't do vegetable yeah. broth. It, it it's I, I grab I usually grab grapes and a banana, half a banana, right? And Even maybe after a pretzel. Them all day, you're fine doing that. Well, I, I just know I have to get something, something in. in. Normally, I have if I have support there, <laughs> I'll have like a pre-planned right um, meal to have. But uh, at this one, I just I just took whatever. In hindsight, though, I 
I don't think I probably could have got a piece of watermelon down, but in my mind, I was like, I want a piece of watermelon. Watermelon's so great. Yeah. Um, when we finished um, Cozumel, Ironman Cozumel, the first thing you do when you come across the line, you go into the tent, is they have uh, coconuts. Mm. And they actually, like, hatch it the half off, half off the coconut, and you just get to sink, uh, drink that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, but that's 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 one big component of Iron Man that is that still doesn't jive like the whole thing about Iron Man is to do anything is possible right and to get yourself across and 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 we talk about stories that people lose all this weight and they've had all these struggles with whatever in their life and then when we come to the finish line here's a piece of greasy pizza right there's like <laughs> it's not, bizarre it's not high vibe food no. whatsoever <laughs> at all and your body is in a is an in inflammation already and you're going to add more inflammation into it right so that's that's definitely something that can be improved upon. It'll um, be on my comment section. On <laughs> yeah, they usually send the that a survey. All right, so this is this is it. So we'll be back for more. You think? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the. I think the, I. I think I'll probably do a, a half. Maybe another half or two before I do another full, just to. We have some things coming up. We'll be moving back to Denver in seven, eight months. So trying to like coordinate that with where we're going to be kind of when next season rolls around for the Ironmans. But I think that with my schedule, I'll be able to definitely get in some halves just a little bit. There's plenty of racing in Colorado. Yeah. But moving back, I don't know exactly what month we're going to be there. Yeah. And then just logistically trying to figure some of that stuff out. But like I was telling you about the trainer, like, I just have a new passion for for some of this stuff and it's i don't see myself one and done see you later it's no. like you know i'm my legs feel pretty good today are better than expected and i'm already thinking like oh like when can i at least just do like a recovery spin on the bike <laughs> you know it's, and the triathlete speaks yeah <laughs> yeah i love it that's what everybody wants like everybody wants to get back out there all right, so let's, before we get into people's questions, because we put out a post and there were great feedback. I did an Instagram live, or Facebook live last night and got a lot of a lot of feedback from people. But let's talk about nutrition, because that's a big component of Yogi Triathlete. We, we strongly believe that there's nothing greater or more important than what you put inside your body. And food, let's go back to this, food is fuel. Like it's, right. that's the purpose of food, it's to fuel us. So we're both plant-based. Uh, I, we we really take our daily nutrition seriously, like with plant-based nutrition. When it comes to training, we're still plant-based, but we take the the side of whatever is working in our body at that moment. So the gels and the on, goose on race, on race day, yeah. So I'll share mine, and and if you want to share yours, um, what your nutrition was like. Um, Maybe the night before, what mm -hmm. you have for dinner, <clears throat> what you have for breakfast, and then what you did during the race. Okay. I'll go two nights before. So the first night we had everyone here at the the Airbnb, we did just a pasta dinner with like a homemade big pot of vegetable marinara with broccoli. I like putting chickpeas in my pasta sauce, so chickpeas, um, mushrooms, zucchini, so we did that with a big salad with, you know, avocado, uh, tomato, pretty simple salad. And then 
the night before the race, we kind of did more of like a Mexican kind of theme where it was like rice. I could eat I could eat rice and beans all, all the time. So I wanted something that I knew I knew I liked, something with some fiber for the next morning, so I don't have a huge chunk of something to sit in your stomach, right? So we did kind of a Mexican theme where it was just like build your own burrito. So we cooked up again mushrooms, beans, rice, guacamole, some salsa. Pretty, I mean, pretty simple. Pretty timid, yeah. Yeah, nothing, no like secret concoction in there <laughs> the night before. Yeah, so people, people are like, well, that just sounds too easy. Yeah. Well, it is too easy. I mean, like- it literally took us probably like. I wanted to eat a little bit early. I wanted to eat at 5.30 so I could have a little bit more time to digest before the morning. And it probably took us 15 minutes to get dinner ready for eight people. <laughs> <That's> so awesome. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, there's, there was no secret sauce in that. It was just simple. Just basic food. Just food. Yeah, you don't have to overthink it. Like, it's really simple. The, yep. if, if you eat clean and eat simple, like... There's plenty of options, and it's perfect for leading into a race. Right. So what did you have uh, race morning? So race morning, I had my cup of mushroom coffee. It's like, Oh, yeah, I think I've heard of, heard of this. Yeah, it's like half coffee and then half like, like a mushroom extract, and it's maybe back at the placebo effect. I found during my long training days that I, I really liked having it because I'm pretty caffeine sensitive. So I'm kind of like a one, one cup. Usually in the morning, you know, on non-race day, I'll get up and have tea first, and then maybe about an hour later I'll eat breakfast, and sometimes I'll, depending on the day, I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee after that. But I really like having my tea first in the morning. But for some reason, on, I like the way coffee tastes better. So finding this like kind of mushroom coffee, it's the caffeine level is like half of what a regular cup of coffee would be. So it's a little, not so acidic on your stomach. And I find that helps, helps me out a lot doing intense workouts when you're after having that. And it has like cordyceps in it. So oh, cordyceps mushrooms. Yeah, cordyceps yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. So I had that, I had just a single piece of toast with a little bit of peanut butter on it. And now, cause that was probably about 4.30 in the morning. Typically, I don't eat until about like two hours after I get up on a normal day. So it's I, I want to get that piece of toast in just so I start having like a little bit of just something in my stomach. And then on the drive from the Airbnb to the, the pre-race, I just had just plain oatmeal with a banana in it. Nothing crazy. <laughs> Nothing crazy there either. <laughs> if I was at home, I probably would have put some chia seeds in it. I forgot my chia seeds. I didn't bring them with. And you were, you were fine? It was fine. So it's not, so it's having a plan. You know, you're gonna, this is what you're going to eat, but not being so attached to it that you're, you're going to be, you're going to fail right. if one or two things are missing. Right. And that's where I think some athletes get caught up. <clears throat> it's got to be this, this, and this. And, and, and it's okay if it isn't. Yeah. That's the point. It's okay. What we have, what I do, and we do this all the time, is just pasta. The night. Same, just, yes, pasta and red sauce two nights before. Big, big, big dinner. Yeah. Like stuffed. So two nights before you did Two pasta. nights before. Okay. And then the next morning is uh, pancakes. Oh. Tons and tons of pancakes until you can't have any more. On race day or the day before? The day before. Okay. The morning before. Big lunch. Uh, usually a tempeh sandwich. Mm-hmm. Tempeh and pita bread. 
really basic white pita bread, like really yeah. white stuff. And then dinner is just a small cup of pasta with, um, that's basically it. Yeah. Just pasta. Maybe some tempeh left over from lunch. Sauce on the pasta. Sauce, red yeah. sauce. We like Rayos. Uh-huh. Really good stuff. And then race morning. So race morning, this is our go-to meal and we do it at least three hours before the race. Okay. So the race started at 6.50, so I need to get this in before 3.50. Wow. I was up at, I was up at two, because I just couldn't sleep. Okay. So I meditated for 45 minutes before. Mm-hmm. Then I had the breakfast, which is a cup and a half of applesauce, uh, Vega or Garden of Life vanilla protein powder, mm-hmm. mix that all in, and then a banana. And then a whole bottle, 24 ounce bottle of uh, and, uh, electrolyte drink. So scratch yep. or Gatorade or whatever. I use scratch. And so all of that is in before three hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So f- feeling really full. You're fe- I'm feeling really full from the previous two days. Right. And all that fuel. And you get that in. But I get that in. But then there's three hours. And by the time I get to transition, I was actually there pretty early. Everything empties out of my stomach. And I get to the race start and it's, it's a quick gel. Yeah. Okay. Like 15 to 30 minutes before. And you don't find yourself hungry coming out of the I, swim? Or? I don't. Uh, but I will say the first thing I do on the bike, first five minutes, it's I take in a bar, half a bar. And we use Amrita bars. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what we do. Um, I, I really would like to find an easier way not to have to do so much white breads and pastas. But it absolutely works. Like right. since I've been doing it. It, the last green meal I'll have, like a smoothie, is so the race was sa- Sunday, Friday morning. I had a juice, like a green smoothie juice, mm-hmm. um, and that's it. Starting with that lunch, it's there's no, I don't do fiber after that. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's just that's just what we do, right? Um, but again, I'm looking, I'm always looking. Yeah, but you've definitely to, gone through and refined it a lot more. Mine's kind of just. But you're finding out what works for you. Right. Yeah. Or, or I guess a better way to look at it is what's not working for me. <laughs> no, <it's> not working. <laughs> but now you know, yeah. like now next time you tweak it. And, and yep. you don't tweak it on race day, you tweak it on the long training days. Right, like right. start to simulate what's going on with your stomach on the runs, like on your long run days, begin to incorporate that stuff. Yeah. All right, let's get to questions. Sounds great. Does that sound good? Let's start with Monica's question. Okay. <laughs> we know Monica very well. It's your wife. <laughs> Happy vegan MD. <laughs> and she was podcast guest. I can't remember which one, but look back in the archives. Uh, we'll put it in the show I notes. I think it was 69, actually. 69? Yeah. Monica wants to know what the best moments of the day besides the finish were. So what was your best moment of the day? One moment. You had to pick it. I think it's it's got to be the the bike coming back into town flipping the u-turn to go back out and hearing all the voices from my support team over there yelling at me and you could i mean i could pick my dad's voice out of a crowd of two thousand people you know it kind of like at one point it kind of gave me goosebumps going around the first turn when i could hear everyone yelling so that i mean that and then just seeing you know seeing the support crew there i mean i saw monica probably four or five times throughout the day she would she ran part of the bike course so that she could, you know, see me a couple more times. And it was just that type of stuff was. That's so awesome. It, it got me through it. I mean, it, if I was there solo, yeah. it would have been like, I don't know. I don't know if the wheels would have stayed on. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah, support can't be under underestimated. It's, it's so critical to the success 
of you. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's critical to the sex success of everybody. Like it's just not, it, it's a crew, right? It's a community. You've got your own little community out there. Right. And it fuels athletes to, to pursue on. So what I recommend for people out there is go to, go to one of these races, even if you're not, if you, if you don't have an athlete and just volunteer and participate and just cheer people on because it means so much. And you don't even need to know these people. Their names are on their bibs. So right. it's like they're handing it to you to support them. It was also pretty fun because Monica and her mom, Marcy, they were sunscreen volunteers. So when I came out of the, the changing tent to go onto the, the bike, the first purse, the first sunscreen volunteer right there was Monica. And there was like a guy that she was like lathering up. I was like, that's okay. I'll wait for her. Oh, she, I don't think I saw them when I came out. Yeah. So then she was able to throw the sunscreen and I oh, don't feel so sunburned. Cool. So <laughs> nice job. <laughs> Good job guys. Um, let's see. What was my most favorite point of the day? I think it was definitely the run because I had gone off. I, I finally caught up our friend, Mary and I said to myself, like, was she racing? She was racing, yeah. Okay. Um, she just did Los Cabos last weekend. Right. So I, I you've follow, been following along. I follow her on, yeah. on Instagram from your previous podcast with her. Yeah. I didn't know if she was racing. She or raced not. and she finished six. She did amazing wow. again. Congratulations. Like two weekends in a row. But I finally caught up to her. I think it was mile five or six, and we were just chatted quickly. And I was like, I'm on a suicide. She's like, Go get him. I'm like, I'm on a suicide mission. And I'll explain my run in a little bit, but I was just like, I just went for it mm-hmm. without hesitation. And I just kept going. And, and at that moment I was feeling like, I'm just gonna keep pushing until I can't push. Like in the past, there have been times where you just hold back for fear of not finishing. Right. But as you guys have listened, this whole season is about pushing yeah. pushing the boundaries and just going with it. And and it was a great race yesterday, great run. So that was, I think calling that out and actually realizing like, I'm running, I'm running strong. That's pretty epic to hear that. Yeah. The, the last leg of your third Ironman in <laughs> 16 weeks was your most favorite part. Yeah. So that's pretty, yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. It's, you gotta, you gotta, um, it's a mindset. It's yep. a mindset. All right. Let's see who else. So that's Monica. Um, let's do Mike, Mike Ergo. So he wants to know, and this is great. This is a great question. What helps you push past resisting the discomfort and just accept, accept it while racing. Meditation. You find a, you find a point in training, right, where you're trying to push yourself that hard, and it's. I had a thing on the trainer that I would like tell myself that, I would call it going dark. When I train, I don't listen to any music. I don't watch TV. I just, I just zone out. And I just do it. So, you know, I try to push myself in training on the, the trainer or the run to where it's like you get to that kind of uncomfort zone. And then I would just say, all right, it's like time to go dark and try to just like, in my mind, just let all the thoughts go. And I could, I would always try to go a little bit longer. Like sometimes I would even set timers. Like, all right, you gotta, you gotta go dark for seven minutes. And in the beginning it was like 45 seconds. And I'm like, oh man, that felt so good. And by the end of it, I could finally just like zone some of that out. So I think when you are feeling that pain, it's just, I mean, what is pain? I mean, what is yeah, pain? It's your you, your brain is telling you that it's pain. So it's if you can just try to find a way to, to quiet the mind, even if it just gets you to the next 10 minutes where you don't feel any pain when you 
wake back up or <laughs> come out of the dark come out of the dark it's you know something might have changed and you're focusing on something else yeah we're the ones who label it pain so we're saying this is pain if we keep doing that yeah it's going to be painful but if we just if we just accept it if we embrace it right and everybody says block out the pain block out the pain you don't want to block out the pain and when you meditate people say block out the thoughts you don't want to block out the thoughts that's it's they're going to come back right what you want to do is, is see the thoughts in meditation and and not invite them in for a story let yeah. them go by with the pain uh, with the sensation you just want to like embrace it like yeah. this is a sensation in my legs that's all it is and you don't label it as it's really painful because we, if we vocalize that too words are very powerful yep. and we start convincing ourselves like oh that's painful that's painful so now every time we get on the trainer and we're going to do that seven minute session it's going to be painful no that's just a story that we're telling ourselves right. you can easily switch that around and one of the one of the things i've learned through the one of the meditation packs i did was if you if you're feeling pain let's say in your your ankle to just it's okay to observe that pain know that pain is there, but you're not trying to change the pain. You're just trying to observe the pain. And oddly enough, it works, and slowly, if you just kind of observe it and... Be neutral. You know it's there, it yeah. goes away. Right. Like that little niggle in your ankle will just kind of disappear, and you're like, okay, well, that it's gone, that's weird. But if you're sitting there like, oh, how am I going to finish this with, I got a, a tweaked Achilles or something like that, you just keep letting your mind take over. It doesn't go away, but pick something, just try to observe it, but not change it. Perfect. Yeah, I hope that answers your question, Mike. It's, the, it's a really good one because I think that's where a lot of athletes can grow. I think, I think athletes ha are, can easily do the training. Anybody can do the training. Yeah. Just pick up a plan and do swim, bike, and run. It's, it's super easy. However, how do you apply that training into a race scenario when things get super tough. Right. And how can you get your mind set? And, and the answer is meditation. We both agree on that. So Matt asks us, he, oh, he wants to know more about my conversation with Troy. So remember Troy's podcast. I told you this is <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts you guys have done. <laughs> so Troy and Kevin Portman is another triathlete, professional triathlete, first year pro, just finished his first season that we had on the podcast. Okay. And so, I've been I've been friendly with both of them since the podcast and and Kevin was was giving me some feedback what stuck with me is that he said no what ifs like you want to finish the race with no what ifs like what if I'd gone harder or what if I had done this and he also said to um, unplug from social media um, the night before and then um, like throughout just so you're entering the race with a clear mind right and then Troy is always quick quick with uh quick with words and he had be be relentless and dig deep and so my mantra for the entire run i and i said the entire run but my mantra for the entire day it started with the swim was just dig deep be relentless and no what ifs like that's that's what i kept saying i can't mm -hmm. tell you how many times I, I kept saying it and digging deep was like with the swim like i've been working on digging deep like getting a big pole um be relentless like when you you're in the arrow position and the wind is picking up and you get up and you stand up onto the, the bars and you're like no that's not right why am i doing you're that like you're an autopilot again. right no. you're just getting up no get back down so right. that's being relentless like constantly pushing yourself to get back into the best position 
that puts you in the best position for the for your for your greatest result and then digging deep we all can dig deeper yeah there's oh there's something down there and and i think i think there's a lot of the human spirit and the human drive that we have untouched um, and I think be putting ourselves in this Iron Man situation, we get glimpses of it, mm-hmm. right? We can tap into it here and there. As you do more races, it starts to expand, right. you know, it, it starts to link together. And I think I had that on the run, but, um, so those, those were the two things, um, Matt, that, that they had, they had passed on to me. And, uh, Troy is a top age group triathlete he placed second in santa rosa overall and he went to kona and his coach is siri lindley and then kevin portman's a professional triathlete in san diego area and he just finished his first year as a pro he won ironman cordeline two or three years ago so it's coming from some really really good good athletes out there that's incredible um let's get to valerie's questions so did um did not having jess there at my race affected my mindset in any way it it did a little bit leading into the race, but as far as the race day, it didn't. Uh, I went to Wisconsin this year by myself, and it's something I, I've been meaning been meaning to do, and finally pulled the trigger. And it was a great exploration and discovery of myself. I think that's what we. I think that's why we do these races, right? right? Like we know we're going to finish them. We're going to do the training, but what are we going to discover about ourselves? Right. And I think removing it's great to have the support but when you remove the support now you're like you're hanging there by yourself right yeah i don't that's very <laughs> impressive that you've been able to do that because yeah if i didn't have the support team there yesterday I'd, but it was your first iron man right but yeah i'm sure it maybe gets easier over time once you know you can finish or whatever but like coming like coming out of the race like i don't know how i would have try to manage the path of like going to find my all my gear bags and going to get my bike and checking it back into tri-bike transport but when monica told because i was sitting there on the bench when they were all coming over to to meet me i was like oh man this is i said we still have to go do all this other logistic stuff and they had already taken care of all that stuff but you you had to finish your race go out and do all that stuff so it's that's off but but that comes with it comes with experience it definitely comes with experience and it also com- becomes with w- what you truly want to do. Like, this is something I really want to do. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in this 1000%. Mm-hmm. And so if that means going to races and, and taking care of things by myself, that's what I'm committed to. Right. So it, it's, a, it's a shift. It's like, and, and I think what Jess is getting at is she's asking me, it's because she's not here and we've, you know how close we are and mm-hmm. we young, run Yogi Triathlete together. We've been married for 15 years. We've been together for 20. That when she is no longer involved in the sport, she's, at least for now, she's moving into the ultra world. What does that do for, like, what is the relationship I have now with the sport? Right. It's digging up some stuff as to do, what, what does the sport mean to me? And I'm realizing, especially this season, that it's just another growth opportunity for me as a human being mm-hmm. to be by myself and to figure out things on my own that maybe having the support of Jess there is not going to uncover these things 
And I think the combination of that and the combination of meditation. Right. Because <laughs> meditation, man, <laughs> you go deep sometimes. And yep. it, it brings up some stuff from your childhood or wherever. And you start to yeah, analyze it. thoughts sometimes. Yeah. And you start to, you start to analyze it and, and make sense of it. Yeah. And you discover a lot about yourself and you can, you can move forward. And I think that's the whole thing with meditation. Like get to the root of it, figure out why, and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Valerie's question. What else did she have? Oh, expectations. Did you have expectations for this race? And if so, how tied were you to them? And were you able to detach or adjust on the fly? Or did you let them consume you? Yeah, so my, my goal was to finish under 12 hours. And I knew just, you know, based on the, the time of the from starting, my swim was, was on par with the pace I needed to hit um, a little bit faster, actually. And then the bike, I was on pace as well. So going into the run, I was like, in the transition area, I was like, I've, I've got this. I just got to go out there and just run like I've done in all my training runs and maybe even slightly slower and that'll be fine. And then just like as we were talking with the having to shut the Garmin off because at mile five, I was just beating myself up about not being at the pace. I would, I, I felt like my, my body and my stomach were, were at. So I had to, you know, turn that off and kind of reevaluate to say, okay, no more tracking this. You're going to finish this. Just go as hard as you can and not it is what it is because you don't want to, I don't want to have that mindset of, you know, it's going to take me 17 hours, but I just said, okay, I just need to keep the feet moving. And I ended up finishing in 1229. So 30 minutes slower than I was hoping, but looking back at it, you know, I know areas that I can work on to, to improve myself, but it was definitely adapting on the fly and I couldn't just, I was trying not to get hung up on, okay, it's gotta be 12 hours or it's a failure. Yeah, it's 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 tough when when people stay one thousand percent committed to that goal and they and they and they fail and then it's not a good scene. Right. So a half an hour off your target goal for your first Ironman is amazing. And you already we were already talking, like you know you can cut time off and right. you can hit that twelve hour goal. So it's just fine tuning. So that's just experience. Yeah. I think people get caught up too much in the people that go out there on their first try or those special athletes that they're they qualify for Kona on the first time right like that's just not realistic and at the end of the day it's like we you know I paid to do this race and it was fun you know I ran I ran past one volunteer and he said he's clapping like great job great job he's like let's try to let's try to get a smile back on that face and that was around like mile like mm -hmm. probably 15 or something and then I was like oh yeah like I'm out like the sun's setting it's like gorgeous out here I'm well over you know three quarters of the way done with my day like this is what i this is what i came for you know and that then just trying to put that smile back on your face can just it helps with the attitude smiling is it's amazing it's so easy to do yep and i think people get caught up in the emotions of the of the race and they, they're negative and they're going down the hole when this is this is celebration day right another thing troy mentioned to me it's like it's celebration day like you do all this hard work, all this training, you commit all this time, 
and then you don't smile on race day like this what is let's yeah. celebrate this is this is an amazing feat that you're you're pursuing and accomplishing so it needs to be celebrated right um scarlet had she doesn't have a specific question she just wants to hear all about it which i think we've covered um, but she wants to know any new new insights gained along the way just life in general right so at the the check-in day i bought an iron an iron man hat haven't put it on yet because i can't can't curse yourself by putting it on yet you know but it says like anything is possible or whatever their their tagline is and just have them I mean, you talk to a lot of people and they think that you know when they hear about it they're like oh that's impossible how do you do that but it's just if there's something in life that you want whether it's something tangible or something that you've wanted maybe just like change about yourself or refocus on something there's a way to do anything you just have to come up with a plan and be consistent about it i'm not a by no means am i a good swimmer or a good biker or a good runner but i'm good at showing up for what i need to show whatever it is you know we'll use triathlon i'm good at showing up for those workouts and sticking to the routine and just doing it and all those little things adding up make you a better person make you a better athlete whether it's in life of rolling over and hitting your snooze button 10 times because you don't want to go to work and you come up with an excuse like that's it's not moving that, you forward it's not moving forward it's not acceptable it's you know you need to do what you're what you say you're going to do and have expectations for yourself and if you if you always try to find a way to to sidestep or the a new way to be more efficient or, or time cheat or biohack, I guess is what I'm mm -hmm. trying to say, you know, hack the situation to, to make it easier. That's not always going to get you to where you need to go. You need to put in the work and uh, the hard work up front and stuff will come, will form around you. It's, it, it, it's hard to describe what I'm trying to, to get yeah, but if you, if, I, if you show up, just show up and do the work. Right. Like you don't need to overcomplicate the situation. You don't need to. You don't need to have. You don't need to say like I need a ten day plan and I, I'm going to start on Monday and this is if I don't get this workout done then maybe I'll start the following Monday. It's, it's like just start doing something. Right. Like you don't need the Garmin watch. You don't need the running shoes that professionals have. You don't need. You don't need any of that stuff. Just start doing something. Yep. And many small wins, you talked about it, many small wins add up for, for big wins. Right. So if you start creating habits, and, and I've been working a lot with this with our new athletes, mm -hmm. like some get injured, well, well that's okay. Go out, what can you do? What right. can you do? You can't do the swim, bike, and run. What can you do? Can you do yoga? Can you go for a walk? Can you do sit-ups and push-ups? Like, what is it you can do? Right, right away, the mentality is, I'm not, if I can't do it all, I'm not going to do anything. Right. And it's, and it's not going to help anyone out by saying, all right, well, two Mondays from now, <laughs> I'll start this. Because there's always two Mondays from now. And we you, always say, you know what we always say? Why not right now? Like, right. Exactly. Just, and that goes back to my <laughs> mentor, Brandon, who said, you know, you could sign up for an Ironman in two years, but why, why not do it now? And let that marinate in my brain for about 30 minutes. And I said, okay, I'm signing up for Ironman. So you hear that people just, just, just act. So don't resist, never resist, but act. Like if it's something that you really want to do and you think it's going to challenge you, 
just act on it and stop delaying. Like don't give yourself an out and justify, justify not doing it with your story. Like just, just start doing something. And um, Jesse here is the perfect example. He, he just completed an Ironman, like an Ironman. Like not, <laughs> I think it, the majority of people there will never do an Ironman. You know, you're in the minority. Right. Um, in the environment that we're in right now, in the middle of the, you know, Tempe, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of athletes and triathletes here, but in the grand scheme of thing in the world, there's, there's not a lot of people that will do an Ironman event. Right. Uh, Scarlett, what did I take away from it? I took away that there's, the, I think that there's, there's always something more that you can give. I feel that is specifically for me in my pursuit of getting to Kona that it's important to push yourself in each of these races outside of your comfort zone, but that as you, as you continue to race, you're, you're constantly learning what your comfort zone is. And I, and I, and I think this season has been a, a great, has, has shown, has shine some great light on my inefficiency as a strong cyclist and which is great and I don't think I would have really committed to it if I didn't go through this season and 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 realize that firsthand but if you look back at the races I've done I'm pretty consistent Mm -hmm. like I'm pretty finishing pretty consistently in all my in all my races and the one thing that that's lacking is just my bike strength and and so that's something I'll be working on so that's definitely a new insight I gained. I also, I also want to revert back to that, that run where you just, you just go for it. Like there's times where you just need to go for it and not worry about cramping or nutrition or what ifs. So what ifs? Back to Kevin. Get to it when it comes up. <laughs> yeah, get to it when it comes up. It's a long day, right? It's a 12-hour day. It's, it's a 17-hour day. day. Even the winners, it was a 7.50 day for Lionel Sanders. Like right. it's still a long day. So a lot can happen. Um, oh, and then on the podcast, we're going to want to know, what did you find to eat? So at post-race, because both of us didn't really eat the Iron Man Village food, so I went to this uh, brewery that we had been to before, and they had one vegan meal, and it was called the Superhuman Salad. And it was awesome. as kale, beets, and sprouts, and quinoa. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was exactly what I needed. And so I did not create any more inflammation in my body. I actually started the, the recovery process and I ate by myself, which was cool because it's got to soak up the experience. <laughs> Spending a lot of time by myself, but it's good. It's, it's, it's getting me to, uh, to be more social. <laughs> That's great. What, was, um, what did you have? Nothing really. Yeah, because sometimes the stomach is not ready. My right? stomach was not ready. I tried to eat some salty kind of chips like while I was waiting um, for Monica to come over wasn't happening so I didn't eat anything at the actual Iron Man place and then got home and tried to eat some applesauce and that didn't last long so yeah I didn't really I didn't sustain anything um, last night and then this morning something's still been a little weird so I think today I've had I had a Jamba Juice, um, just like a beet. I had like beets and kale and like some apples in it. 
And then I've had a bagel with with avocado, like avocado toast. Mm, avocado toast. Yeah. So that's, I'm sure it'll hit me here. And I kind of feel it's starting to come on. I'm starting to get hungry. Yeah, I'm sure it's coming back. Me, but I haven't, I haven't <laughs> had much real food in the last. But, but so that's a great example too. Like listen to, you don't need to force food down. Like, you yeah. know, you need calories, but just listen to your body. Listen to your stomach. Like right. your body is super smart. Like it knows, yeah. it knows, it shows you signs of when it's ready to eat and when it's not ready to eat. Right. So just listen to that. Yeah. Cause I, I envisioned like finishing the race and just like devouring like a Chipotle burrito or like just yeah, like sounds something. so good. I was like, that, it just wasn't <laughs> happening. So, so don't do it. Yeah, like don't, don't yeah. force the issue. Right. All right. Valerie, Valerie's got more questions. So she wants to know, okay, so what were the three big differences in my three races and what did you find? And did you find yourself comparing the past two Ironmans at any point yesterday while you were competing? And what tools did you use if you started to to get back into the race you were in. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. So yeah, I definitely had moments where, well, what were the big differences in each race? So Santa Rosa, I was definitely the best prepared for because I had the whole winter. You were fresh. And I was fresh. Definitely doing three Ironmans in 16 weeks doesn't give you much time to have a base, a build, and a peak, period. Uh, especially Wisconsin with six weeks turnaround. So I think the big difference is that I was fresh for Santa Rosa. Wisconsin was a bucket list race that I wanted to do. And isn't that bike grueling? It's a grueling bike, yeah. And I didn't put in the appropriate miles and hilly miles to do to do well. Um, not giving myself an excuse. I'm just uh, that's I just didn't do the work. That's what happened. That's what happened. And then Arizona, you know, I I did have expectations, Valerie. Um, I wanted to improve from being in the top 20 to be in the top 10. So I, I was really hoping and work, see, hoping such a, like hope is, right. <laughs> yeah, you need to do it, like commit to it. So right there just shows you I wasn't committed to getting in the top 10 in Arizona. And so that showed, and I did have moments on the, on, in Arizona, especially on the bike, because I had done this race nine years ago and I had a faster bike split then than I did in this race and the conditions were, were similar. And I found myself on that bike thinking, I went really hard in Santa Rosa and had a great bike split. I went hard in Wisconsin and I had an okay bike split, but for that course. Mm -hmm. And then Arizona, I should be smashing a five hour bike. Like I should be, I should be doing a five hour bike. And I didn't even, I didn't even come close to that. So I found myself comparing like I should be going, I should be doing better. And in those moments, brought myself back to the present moment and just just really focused on doing the work for the work. And we talk about that with the Bhagavad Gita. Have you read that mm -mm. before? Uh, it, it, they talk about doing the work for the sake of the work, not for the fruits of the actions. So if you're always doing work with an expectation of a time goal or a, a result or something, you're letting that dictate what you're doing. Whereas if you just commit to doing the work day in and day out, just commit to the work, the results will happen. No, I, I like that. So on the bike, I just started committing, like this is the work I need to do right now. It may not show me the reward right now in this bike split, but it may show the reward in the bike split two, three, ten Ironmans down from now. So that's where you need to detach 
detach from the, the end result and just stick to the process. Mm-hmm. Stick to the work in the moment. And that's tough for people to grasp because they always want, they're always out there looking for the next thing. Like that's my goal like out there. And if I don't get that, then I'm gonna go for that and go for that. Just stay in the moment and do the work for the sake of the work. So that's what I did. I was barreling down on that bike. It was, I don't even know how fast I was going, going into the wind. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at my speed, but I knew that the watts I was putting out was not really hard. Right. But I just, I just kept doing, I just thinking in the moment, like I just need to stick here. Just kept going. Just, just keep going. So those are the tools I used. And then, um, let's see. Oh, she wanted to know about, so while all this is happening, Jess is in New York mm-hmm. taking uh, Vegan Academy. I've seen some of her posts. Yeah. It's really fun. So she did five-day intensive um, training, and she graduated yesterday, and she made it back late last night. So she uh, she's one of my athletes, and then Valerie is her friend, and so I had to come up with plans and training for them while I'm here right. <laughs> working for myself. So she got to experience firsthand the kind of training packages that we put together at Yogi Triathlete. So Valerie says, I personally loved it and loved the versatility of the training and the fact that you were coaching from almost 3,000 miles away. Could you explain a little bit about how this works for athletes? And so the way we coach is I wanna fit, I wanna, I wanna make them successful. I want to set them up with small wins and I want to fit what's in their schedule, mm-hmm. not what they think they have. So the first question I ask is how much time do you have to train? And the first thing they'll come back and say is like, I can train two hours every day and four hours on the weekend. And after a few weeks, you start to realize it's like an hour a week and maybe three hours total on the weekend because of life commitments, family, and just desire. Like a desire is a thing. So we need to to reframe what your expectations are. So if you say you had 15 hours a week and you really only have 10, let's work with 10. If you have a pool that's 50, 25 minutes, 50 minutes round trip, let's work with that and be the most efficient with your time. You know, swim bands, something to do at home, dry land exercises, mm-hmm. like stuff you can do at home and then do quality swims, preferably back to back, two swims a week, back to back. So you're getting that consistency. Um, that's just an example. But what I gave them in New York is they said they had some stairs in the park. So I gave them 10 minutes, run down there, uh, run up the stairs, I think I said run up the stairs fast, wait 10 seconds, walk back down, do that three times, then run up every other step and then walk back down, do that three times. And then they did some body work exercises down below, like mm-hmm. burpees, sit-ups, push-ups. Oh, I, saw, I saw a video of them doing the okay. burpees in the park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. So it's working with where the athletes are right. currently, not where they, they see themselves or where they were. It's like where you are right now. Yeah. And I think that sets it up successfully for both parties yeah agreed um i don't know what your training was like we didn't even talk about your training so what what kind of yeah so training did you work with from not having like much background at all yeah what is your background well as far as like sports yeah sports (laughs) right where you show up to hockey practice and they got a plan for you but doing the triathlon stuff i mean i never really thought that there was coaches for that type of stuff when we first started doing it before we met you guys honestly um so my training consisted of a, a book that monica's cousin gave me of the triathlete guide to something was the name of it you know and it basically had it has plans from a sprint up to a 
a full Ironman and it kind of has subsections for like what you're saying, how many hours a week do you really have to, to dedicate to it? And then here's your plan. So basically the way it worked out was, so I know you're not, you don't believe in this and I'm not one way or the other, but it did have a rest day built into it. Oh yeah. Oh, I believe in rest days, but not consistent. But not dedicated. Depending how your body was feeling. Yes. Right. That's, I think that's the key phrase is, I can't say how you're going to feel every Monday. Right. Exactly. So if I give you every Monday off, what if you feel amazing on Monday? Right. I would want you to train. Like, right. let's use this fitness. And then a couple of days down the road, if, if you're giving me feedback that you're tired. Mm-hmm. So the way that this schedule is, there were six workouts per week. Monday was supposed to be the rest day. But with my schedule, work schedule, everything, I kind of had to move some days around. But... You know, basically it was, there was one day a week on Tuesdays where it was just a run only. It was usually some kind of like tempo, speed work, running hills, you know, in the beginning stages, we'll say 40 minutes. I think that maxed out at maybe like an hour just on those like speed and high intensity days. And then the rest of the weekdays are basically, a, you know, a spin on the bike followed by a, a, um, a swim and the, the spins were either you know sometimes they would just be a you know ride steady for an hour and a half but some days it would be you know you have two hours of hill repeat so you put the block on the, the front block on the trainer and you know ride hard for five minutes active recovery for three minutes ride hard for five minutes active recovery for three minutes and then the weekends were really Saturdays were set up to be a long your long bike ride day followed by a shorter run like 40 minutes to an hour and then sunday was the long run long swim days oh both in one day both in one day which looking back at it now i think that's probably part of my pitfall on the the marathon portion of the race because Typically what I would do is I would, on Sundays, you know, let's say you go out and ride 90 miles on Saturday and then Sunday comes and you've got your, let's say it's a 20 mile run and a 3,800 swim or something. I would usually get up early and do my run prior to the swim. So I always felt pretty fresh on my runs, right? I, I biked 80 miles a day before, but your body gets used to that, right? So I, I started the mornings off pretty fresh for my, my runs, and then I'd go to the pool in the evening. So I felt really good on my swims yesterday because I was so used to swimming already tired at the end of the day after running, you know, 17 or 20 miles or whatever it called for that day. But I think it, I should have switched it around a few times to, you know, doing the run later in the evening something where you've already had a full day, you know, swimming and just being on your feet and doing stuff instead of just like getting up, eating my oatmeal and going for my runs. That, that, I think that's really key because it's great that you start the long run fresh because it's a long run and right. you want to get, make it quality. However, you also have to back that up with long run days where you don't feel good and see right. how your body reacts then on fatigued legs. And I think that was a, a So that's an insight. Yeah, that's, that's something you can take away for your next. Yeah. But going through race. this, you know, doing more Ironmans, I can I'll probably be giving Yogi Triathlete a call because I could just <laughs> see the benefit of having, you know, sometimes 
Monica was very helpful when it was like some days I didn't want to go run. I was just like, man, I'm tired. I don't want to run. So what did she, what would she do? So she would go back and forth. You know, she, I think she's pretty good at observing my body language. And a few times she said, yeah, I think you need to go to, you know, take the evening off and go to bed and I'd go to bed at seven thirty and try to get my, so she's kind of your coach because she, she, yeah, she knows you and right. your, your mannerisms. Right. But then some days she would be like, well, I think, you know, just put on your shoes, run to the end of the block. And if you feel like you want to turn home after that, turn home, but like go try. And not once did I ever like put on my shoes and run to the end of the block and be like, okay, right. today's not today. It's like you, right. you get out there and you take, you run a block and you're like, okay, this feels pretty good. I'm like yes. awake now. You just needed that boost to get out, right. out of the house. And we joke cause Jess used to lock me out of the house. Like I would do my long rides on Saturday and I'd have to do like a 10 mile brick and, and I would do loops cause I'm known for my loops. Uh-huh. I do a three mile loop and I want to come in and use the bathroom and she'd be like, she'd lock the door and she wouldn't let me in. She's like, nope, <laughs> she put my water out outside and she's like, get it done. Like yeah. get it done. Um, but I think Monica serves the same purpose. Like right. she's your coach that is the outside perspective that says, you know, rest, rest is good. Yeah. Right. Rest when you need to, but also get out there and, and get yeah, it done. Some days like, I was just being lazier. I was just totally. like, it's cold out. I don't want to go run in the rain. Yeah. Well, what if it rains on race day? I mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, right. You need to experience all those, all those conditions. Right. All right. What else? Did we cover everything? Do you guys have any questions for? No, we asked Jesse and there were so many questions. <laughs> 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 if you didn't hear that, um, she just wants to know when Jesse's going to do his next race because they want to be there. So that shows commitment. That's that's the community that Yogi Tarathi is about. It's about it's about the athlete, but it's also about the people that surround him. And neither one of them work well unless they're both in alignment. And so think about that in in your own families. It doesn't have to be sport, but think about. You know, how are you supporting the, the family members around you? And are you truly supporting them out of love or are you doing it out of duty or like you have to do this? And it's okay either way. It's just recognizing what that is. And when you truly start to embrace the endeavors that, that people around you take on, you by default are going to feel that same enthusiasm yourself. There's no way you can't feel the excitement of an Ironman yourself from spectating. There's, it, it's, it's the energy and, and vibe that it gives off is, is just so unique. And I personally like to go back to the finish lines at midnight because I just, I, I want to feel that. I almost crave that, crave that energy because it, it motivates me. And so that's something I definitely tap into mm-hmm. as I'm doing these things by myself. It's, it's figuring out in the check boxes, like, why do I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Do I love it? Do I still want to do it? And it's always yes, yes, yes. And right. until it, until it turns to no, I'm going to be doing this for, for a long time. So I'm curious. So, so what do your ne- next six months look like? I mean, it's, it's not, I don't want to say off season, but it's like kind of like winter time now. Like what, what do you have planned for the next? So my rough, so I'm doing Santa Rosa Ironman again. Which is June. It's turn, it's in May now. Oh, it's in May. Yeah, they moved it. They switched the half and the full. Are they? 
I heard that they were possibly not doing it because of the fires, but I don't know how true that is. On all the blogs, it's, I mean, on the Facebook pages, it's fine. Yeah, the actual course is fine, gotcha. yeah. Um, I'm doing Oceanside in April, Oceanside 70.3. Okay. So about six, five weeks, five weeks before. Wait, Santa was it Santa Rosa the full or the half that you're talking about? Full. Full, okay. So Oceanside half and then Santa Rosa full. And what I'd say right now is I'm probably going to dive into some really good yoga mm-hmm. and strength training over the next two months, kind of wean off the traditional swim, bike, run. Okay. And just do a few things here and there. Right. Um, but really do the things that I've neglected yep. um, these past few weeks and give my mind the break and then be ready to hit it hard for Santa Rosa. So you'll definitely take a little re- recovery time, yes. quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, recovery time. I'm an active person. Yeah. I like to be active sitting around. Right. I can do it. <laughs> but I prefer to be before to be active. So that's my plan. Okay, cool. Um, lots of yoga. Yeah. I feel like the yoga and meditation is what is upping my game. So we'll continue to do that. Yeah. It's great. I think I think we did it. That was awesome. Good? Smackdown. Iron yeah. Man. Iron Man round table smackdown yeah. between a first timer and eleven time Iron Man. And thank you out there, everyone, for listening. And if we didn't get to your question, I think I have all the questions. If I didn't get to your question, we will answer them on social media. Great. And uh, congratulations. Thank you. Congrats on you. It's a pretty epic season. Thank you.